Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to another episode of the Self Build Plus podcast, where we chat with self builders, suppliers, and experts about all things home building and renovating in Ireland on both sides of the border. I'm Astrid Matson, your host and the editor of Self Build Magazine. This evening, I have the pleasure to be joined by architect Zeno Winkins of Winkins Architecture. Um, so you're here to talk about spatial design and you've been practicing in Ireland for a good few years now and specializing in low energy designs that are built in harmony with the environment or the environment those buildings sit in. So I suppose the first question would definitely be then, um, you know, your tips and advice about choosing the right location for your house on a greenfield site. Yeah. Well, yeah, I've been in practice over 30 years in, in Wexford now, so it's been a while, yeah. So I, I think yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you have a choice of sites, some people have a choice of sites because they're, you know, children or farmers and they like to build on the land. I always think it's it's good to approach the house that the the the, the road the road front should be facing north because that way you can live on the south you can live in the back so the front is just the approach to the house the entrance door and a few windows you know bedrooms and so on but then you, you go through the house and then the back that's where the terrace is and you can you can live you know nicely on on the southerly southwesterly aspect I think is nice to have a back garden or a back of a site that's ideal. But um, you can work with anything, really. Yeah. So then, so let's say you're you're on um, you you have um, you have your your rooms like your living room, your kitchen, that kind of thing. Like, is it always best to have your living room south facing? Is that kind of a decent rule of thumb? Or I, I think so. I think so because that that's where you live. You know, most of the time is spent. You know, during the day or during the during the day of of, of day to day to life, day to day life would be in, in in the living room, in the kitchen, and you know, so it's nice to have that south or southwesterly because westerly is the evening sun, and a lot of people, you know, they, they work during the day, so when they come home in the evenings, they still have the, the enjoyment of the sun as well. Um, so I think mm-hmm. that's important. 
So then bedrooms would be what east facing for the morning sun would that be yeah, would be ideal. I mean in an again, ideal world if you can yeah, like, in an ideal thinking. world again yeah you're right uh, eastern facing so so it'll wake you up in the morning to get you out to work and then um and you know because you want to live as i said on the south side um and the north side could be like bathrooms utility rooms and things like that but sometimes it's hard to, to juggle like that yeah yeah of course and and so in terms of of doing that um that analysis is it it's a solar diagram of some sort isn't it wouldn't would you well, how would you go about determining these axes on your plans and would you always do well, uh, I, I must yeah yeah i must say i use my gut feeling <laughs> i just use my experience i know what works and what doesn't work um i don't use any software or anything for it um, I usually, you know, walk. Yeah, there's fancy first. diagrams with suns and, you know. I know. Well, I can do that too. I mean, I, I, when I do 3D modeling, I can actually, sh I have a, I have a thing for Wexford. So if I, if I show a model, I can show, you know, what's going to be like the first of May at 10 o'clock in the morning, how the shadow is going to fall in, on, on the house. So I, I can do that. I can do shadow analysis as such. And that helps yeah. because it's amazing. And, you know, summertime is different different than the winter time, for instance, because the winter time, the sun would be low in the sky. So that's when you want to get it into the house. And in the summertime, it's higher in the sky. And anyway, it's getting kind of hot. So to cut out overheating and so on, you, you take account of that as well. Yeah, on that topic, because that's, I suppose we did have a very warm summer this year. So overheating is an issue in, in a lot of modern builds because there's so much yeah. lazing. So is is the, the only solution really, is it just um, building sort of canopies sticking out of the house? Well, not be very first aesthetic, of all, but... yeah, first of all, ventilation is, is, is an issue. Um, definitely, if you can, ventilate as good as you can when, when it's in the, in the evening time to, to cool down the house again, if it is overheating because it may overheat. You might have too much solar gain in, in the summertime. Um, but like this this year, I think it was a week or two that <laughs> it was terrible. I think yeah. in 17, 17, 18, I think it was five weeks, which was a bit of a stretch, you know. But usually um, it's, it's not that much of an issue. But if it is an issue, yeah, ventilation is the key. Um, so as in cross-ventilation, is it? Yeah, cross-ventilation is important. And trying to yeah. avoid that the heating that the that the building heats up in the first place. So, it, you know, on really strong summer's day, you draw the blinds or you draw the curtains, or if you have an overhang, of course it's better. But that failing, just draw the curtains in the in the daytime to stop the solar gain, so that the, that the building doesn't heat up in the first place. Because well insulated buildings are 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 designed to keep the heat. Um, so if the heat doesn't come in in the first place, it, it'll also stay cool. But with solar yeah, gain, insulation uh, works both ways. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And likewise, so, you know, yeah, ventilation systems. That's another thing. With you know high insulation buildings and inner sea and fish and so on, you you do need some kind of ventil you know mechanical ventilation. Really, I would advise. I would really advise, even though you can still do it by regulations, I would advise against those holes in the wall because people just block the holes in the wall because they don't work in the winter time and then you have moisture problems and all sorts of problems so some kind yeah. of a ventilation system is good with heat recovery ideal but even just a normal ventilation system is good um, it, yeah something that dedicated system. freshen the air all the time it's not a, it's not an air conditioning it's just a ventilation system for fresh air 
Mm -hmm. So then cross ventilation, we're, we're looking at um, having windows and roof lights, isn't it? Because there's, you need, you need to design the windows in such a way that the cross ventilation can actually happen. Sure. How, You're right, how, yeah. how does that work? Like, do you, you always need a roof, roof window that opens kind of thing, isn't it? If you really um, want to purge well, all that heat out. That's one the way ventilation system is not going to do that for you unless you have an active no. cooling or active something like the that, booster. That's right, yeah. That. yeah. Ventilation system will just keep your air fresh, but it won't cool down the house if it's overheating. Um, and if it has heat recovery, yes, it will keep the heat in in the wintertime, but it doesn't cool. You're right. And cross ventilation, true, it's front and back. So there's usually, especially in Ireland, there's usually some place somewhere where the wind is blowing, you know, either the east side, north side, you know. So if you just open windows, as many windows as you can in the house, and, and the wind will just flow through the house. That, that is good. Roof yeah, lights, it'll happen. Yeah, you don't have to have a roof light. Um, sometimes roof light, you know, I'm not too happy about it because it's difficult with air, get the air tightness right with a roof light. So I try to avoid roof lights if I can, but... We'll just have to keep an eye on how, how things are going with uh, with the old overheating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's for, in France. In France, actually, they um, they they use shutters. Um, as so so as not to let the heat in because the blinds. I don't know if the blinds really work that well if to to close the blinds because once the heat is in the house, yeah, you're kind of stuck with the heat. I mean, the blinds. Then okay, maybe they buffer a little bit, but. They do. Let's put it this way. Blinds are better than nothing. And <laughs> yeah. ideally, yes, you would have shutters on the outside or, or an awning or something that you can pull out or something, or just have a brousselet or come some kind of a roof overhang in general. You know, if it's a three foot roof overhang, you'll still have enough summer in the wintertime because the sun is low. And in the summertime, um, it'll shade nicely, you know. Okay, and and window and door locations. Then where where should those go? Like let's say doors first of all, because the Irish have a little have a bit, an obsession with having like many many back doors. I've yeah. Well, <laughs> so what's with ideal or what's what works? Well, cost best wise, well? cost wise, no doubt about it. Size matters. I mean, um, and these if you, you watch television programs with grand designs and they have terrace doors that are like six meters wide and they're. I don't know how many folds, triple folding, bifolding, whatever. They all look fantastic, but I would not advise it in Ireland. First of all, they cost a fortune. It could cost three, four, five times as much as sliding doors would in, in, a, in a decent size of maybe only three meters or something or three and a half meters, which is still plenty of size, you know. So um, I think size does matter. Huh? And location-wise, obviously, I, I'm, a, I'm a favor of, of having a proper front door that is used as a front door and the back door that is purely used as a back door. As in the back door should only be for the people living in the house and the front door should be for anybody coming into the house and the reception. So just one back door then would be your... Well, no, or, no, it depends. I mean, the, depends the back on the door, flow of the house, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and how big the house is. I mean, obviously, okay, the back door I would usually classify as a door near the utility room, so where the washing would take place or the laundry, and then you can just take um, your stuff straight out the back door, or this could be a side door as well if it, if it suits the site. But and that'll be to your washing line or something, you know, which is handy. And then other doors would be sliding doors, 
that could be in the living room or a kitchen or a dining room or all three, if, you know, if the big house. Um, I've even had, um, I put doors in, in bedrooms, you know, because people wanted to have access to the garden from the bedroom. So it really depends on the design. So, so what kind of guiding principles are there to follow? Let's say, maybe, would you think of things like Feng Shui, for example? Um, again, I must say I'm, I'm <laughs> more of back to my gut feeling. Feng Shui, yes, I've looked into it, but it is really a philosophy that you have to buy into and study and, you know, uh, by natural instinct, oh, it's, it's certain things I would not do that are, would be Feng Shui. But overall, I, I do, my philosophy be form follows function, as in, I believe the, the, the function of the house and the layout of the house and how you live in the house is more important than the curb appeal, the, you know, the windows out front towards the road and how, how, how lovely it looks. You know, I think it's more important to have a nice flow in the house that is, you know, functional. Um, so that, that's so you would, so you would uh, always design from the inside out then, would it? Be? I would think so. Yeah. 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 So how, of course, how, of, of, sorry, of course I keep an eye on the outside. I mean, but first, first I do my layout and I get a feel for what's needed and the flow. And then I say, oh, my that window doesn't look right. And, and then I can move things around to make the proportions of it good, looking good as well. But I wouldn't start off doing the elevation first and making it nice and symmetrical with all these windows and then doing the inside. You know, I always do the floor plan first. Yeah. So how do, how do you go about that process? It's obviously a conversation with, with the people who are going to live in the house, but yeah. how, how, walk us through the steps of how, how the design evolves, how that flow um, gets yeah. created for the individual or the family. It's, it's the brief. I need, to know, I, I need to know as much as I can about the people who want the house. I need to know how they, they live. Do they socialize a lot? Do they have children? Do they want more children? Do they need a guest room? Um, and if you want to future-proof it, you know, if, for instance, if it's two-story, you want to future-proof, you make sure you have a bedroom downstairs and a bathroom because for an elderly relative or for yourself and you have the elderly or something, it's good to have a bedroom and, and, a, and a bathroom downstairs. So um, it, it's really about you know, what, 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 the, what the people want. And, and, and if, they, if they don't have a brief, then I would try to establish a brief, brief with them. You know, how many bedrooms do they want? Do they like open plan or not? Um, and for instance, labels of rooms can change, you know, what, what's a bedroom today could be, you know, a study tomorrow or the other way around, you know, like a playroom could come up on the study or a bedroom, you know, so, or a second sitting room. Rooms as such can change over, over the lifetime of the building. Yeah. So then the, the whole um, doing one story versus a story and a half versus two story um, kind of pros and cons of each yeah. of those kind of layouts? Well, again, it's, it's, it depends on the site. Um, I prefer bungalows myself, I must admit, because I, I just like the living on, on, on a single floor. I, I think it's handy. It's, it's quite cost effective too, because the roof for me is just a protection cover. So I, my air tightness layer is at ceiling level. So if from, from, uh, from a, Air tightness point of view, it's just a box, but then the pitched roof on top is just outside. So um, I have it with, I have the roof wind tight, but not airtight. So the insulation layer is up there. So I just like bungalows. Two story can get more difficult with air tightness and so on. 
because the rafters are in the walls and the, the, there's a lot of seating to be done. And one and a half dormers are can be tricky as well. I mean, anything's possible, but a preference, I, I have bungalows as a preference. But then if, if you get to a certain size, doesn't it get more cost effective to go two-story, let's say, to build? I, I don't think so. I, I honestly don't think so. Because of the detailing, it depends how, you, how, how, how the design is. If it's um, the, on a bungalow, it doesn't have to be too meandering. You know, it, it depends on, on, the, on, the, on the floor area of the, of the bungalow. If it's a, obviously, the best would be a round, round house. It's the most cost-effective. After that, a square house, and then a rectangle. So the more you deviate from that, the more expensive it gets, like with the little nooks and crannies, or if you angle it, or if you have um, um, bay windows and things. I mean, of course, you can have some snazzy design, like maybe I've done a few times where I just took the bungalow and just broke it one angle to suit the site layout and then bring in the sun. But it, the simpler you, it, the floor plan is, the more cost effective and the cheaper it's going to build, be to build. I'm surprised you said that round was was um, cost effective because, like, first of all, sense, the uh, blocks yeah. are are square. If you build with block, obviously. Oh yeah, no, but 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 the round to see the round has a less outside wall. Let's put it that way. Um, okay. So and then after that would be a square because you know you've got forty lengths and then it's it's the you know the ratio of floor of floor space to wall. That's that's where cost can come into it. So that's why um, I said round is the most cost effective. I mean, obviously, right. I did a roundhouse once, but that was a straw bell house. But that's that's a whole different uh, interview. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, um, but block work, but... I do prefer block work. I must admit, and the way I design as well is that I keep block work dimensions in, in my mind. So I know that, for instance, um, three block, uh, two blocks would be uh, ninety centimeters. So if if you make a window two blocks wide, there's no cutting involved. So um, you know, uh, in the rest of the wall. So I, I try to design block work dimensions. And I know it's, it's on a 225 millimeter, so I already have that in my head all the time. I know that um, 1350, um, 1800, those are block work dimensions. So if the wall's that big, there's no cutting of the block. There's only one block to be cut every other, other way, but you don't have to cut little slivers or anything, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that makes it easier, definitely. Yeah. yeah, and and more cost effective, less waste. So yeah. then, um, in terms of the size of a house, um, what kind of would you follow Again. thinking if there's, you know, if it's a family with only one or two kids, would you have yeah, like size, certain yes. square meters in in mind for different? Well, so size matters. Yeah, I mean, I've done a good few houses now that are 150 square meters, 160 square meters, three bedrooms, and they're fine houses. They're they're big enough, plenty big enough. You know. You don't, it doesn't you don't sound to, very big. Yeah, no, but you know, I'm telling you, the way construction costs is going now, that's what we're all going to be able to afford in the future. You know, we should really think about size and and do we need you know two thousand square foot, two and a half thousand, three thousand square feet? Um, do we really need four bedrooms, five bedrooms, six bedrooms? You know, I, I don't think so. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, as well, if if you design it right, you can add I, I, like two bedrooms easily, or one one or two bedrooms easily in in ten years' time when you need it, or when you you know feel like it, or when your budget allows again. Mm. Yeah, because the design is everything, isn't it? Because if you maximize yeah. the space you actually have and don't waste it with corridors or God knows what yeah. else. Yeah, or, or a lot of people have yeah they have you know a fourth or fifth bedroom that they never use and it end up being a junk room. It'll be cheaper to have a garage or or a shed or something, you know, for a junk room than than a bedroom that is airtight, fully heated, and and so on and so on, you know, fully ventilated. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is it is a, a something that's. I mean, I think the average is three hundred square meters in the Republic anyway for for uh, kind of one off houses from. I from think the it should be less. No, the three hundred sounds a bit. It sounds huge, doesn't it? But I think, or it's 280 or something. Yeah, that's possible. Something very close to 300, um, which which I thought was surprising considering. But anyway, yeah, it it is too big, regardless of how big your family is. Estate houses, you know, houses in Dublin or estate homes um, in general in in, in Cork and other cities, they they could be as small as 1,100 square feet, you know, three bedrooms, semi-detached. Um, and and it's, it's, you know, people live in them, no problem. They might be lacking a little bit in storage, but it's doable, you know, it's, it's livable. And again, it's, if it's good design, it's, it's fine. So in terms of the design, again, what kind, kind of, um, let's say, common pitfalls you might come across? Um, let's say, if, you know, do people come to you with, you know, another architect's plans and go, I'm not too happy with the way this is? Um, are there kind of things that pe- mistakes people commonly make um, in terms of design? You know, could be. Well, luckily, I, I don't get those kind of clients, I must say. <laughs> Usually clients come to me, you know, they might have a sketch themselves that they've been working on. You know, I had one particular client, I'll never forget, she'd been working on this house design for maybe one and a half to two years. And she really thought she had it sussed, you know, she had everything she needed in that house. But I had a look at it and in a few weeks later, I gave her another house design that was completely different but I used her design as a brief. I, I know what she was trying to get at, but I knew it would not work. It wouldn't be livable in the end of the day. And luckily she saw it as well, like after you know, a bit of a disappointment, she realized that my design was better in the end. And that for the site that, that was in it, it, it suited the site better as well. A lot of people start thinking about house design without a site in mind. And you really have to have a site in mind to have a good design. 
Yeah, you can't just plant anything in the middle of a field kind of thing. Not really, no, because yeah. are there views to be had or even even the other way around, are there views you want to avoid? You know, is there a neighbor you don't want to look at? <laughs> or, or as I said, the orientation, you know, you have to work with what, what you have on the site, um, no matter what it is. And there's ways and you know, you can get around um, sites that are challenged. <laughs> So then, so how, how would you, how do, should people go about um, putting together their wish list then? What, what needs to go on that wish list exactly? So I, I think just, the wish list should, yeah, should have everything, pros and cons. Like, first of all, you, you, you put down what your needs are. You know, I need four bedrooms, I need three bedrooms. I would like to have an ensuite or not. Because again, I've had clients that um, insist on ensuites and said, you know, how could you not have one? And I've had another client who said, you know, I do not want an ensuite. I know I, I want a four bedroom house, no ensuites, two bathrooms. I hate ensuites. So it's a very personal thing. You know, walk-in wardrobes are very popular now, which is great. You know, so those kind of things, that's, that'll be part of the wish list pros. And then cons, you know, like I said, I hate this. I hate that. You know, um, that, that should be in the wish list as well, you know, things that you Yeah, just, stuff oh, that irritates you where you live yeah, now. I, I, or I do not like open plan. I want to have a proper, you know, living room separate from my kitchen. You know. mm. It's yeah. personal. Yeah. So how, how should people go about choosing an architect? Because it's, it is, it is a bit of a shopping around exercise as well, isn't yeah, it? I mean, that expertise, obviously you want to get that expertise, but also each architect has their own style, their own yeah. approach, their own yeah. personality. So true. how should people tackle that? Yeah, that's, it's difficult. I'd say uh, what I would do is, uh, you know, first of all, you, you know what you like and what you don't like. You know, when you pass a house, if you, see, if you see a house being built and you really like it, try to find out who the architect is, you know, uh, make a note of that so for future reference. Or, you know, talk to neighbors and friends who, who, who've, who've been through the process. You know, they might have somebody they could recommend or that they hate or that they've heard of. Um, and if, if that all fails, then after that, you know, like everybody else, hit the internet and see if you can uh, on the internet and look for architects in your area and see what kind of websites they have. And you know, are there any designs that you like is, you know, the website in general is appealing or not. Is there anything you like or, you, you know, and then after that, um, I suppose you, you drop an email to an architect that you're thinking of approaching and get some kind of a concert conversation going. Um, just to see, you know, if if you want to work with this person for over a year or not, you know. Yeah. Um, and it would would should there be a site visit? I know now with COVID and all that, it's a bit it's a bit difficult. But would it be worth meeting with the, the architects you've kind of shortlisted on site, or is that just overkill? Well, the thing then you're, is, uh, you're kind of bringing the process. You're making the process go further then because then they're going to start thinking about designs and things so yeah, I'd say at which point is it like are you hiring them or you know like yeah it, it really depends on the architect as well but usually the initial meeting i'd say would would not be with a site visit what i would do usually um i i, I try to find out where the site is and i get most information as i can and i do like a feasibility desktop study myself so I would look at the planning in the area because I can do that online fairly easily. I go to Google Maps and drive up and down or walk up and down to, to get a feel for it. And, and based on that, I would have a chat with the client 
and just to see well, how his idea, how their ideas are, you know, and things, and if, if there's a match. Because I think it has to match both ways. If I find I, a client comes to me and I find I cannot help this client because we're on totally different wavelengths, I just have to pass it on, you know. Um, uh, it's, it's no point in taking on a commission that I won't be, I won't be happy with because <laughs> I'll be never able to satisfy that client. Yeah, it is a relationship at the end of the yeah. day. It's quite it's quite unique in, in the build process. Yeah, and, and it's and based on trust. You have to trust your architect, and I have to trust the client. You know, when I talk to them, I have to trust that they're telling me the truth, you know, because it's, it's a very personal thing. It's, it's a two-way street um, because the way I see it, I am going to be the buffer between the client and everything else, between the client and the builders and tradesmen. Like, I work on behalf of the client. I have to make sure that you know I, I serve them well and, and that the builder serves them well so I have to whip the builder into shape on behalf of my client that's my job that's the way I see it once I have a full commission from design right up to certificate of compliance moving in yeah yeah so uh, any other tips advice in terms of spatial design that we haven't covered um, oh yeah the BER itself um, Oh it's, yeah, it's, that's right. It's, the it's, difference it's, between A one, A two, A three. Well, at this stage, since since November two thousand nineteen, um, all houses, and all new dwellings that are built have to be an A two house anyway. Hmm. So it's quite a high standard. It's, it's quite good, but that means that the running cost will be will be a lot less than you know, like a C house. The SEIA they they published something a while back. They were saying like a two hundred square meter house. Like a B3 would cost about 1500 or something a year to run. Um, a B1 is 1200 A3 is 900 A2 would be 800 That That step is kind of small. Then an A1 would be 400 to run. That's the same, you know, same size of house, just different standards of insulation and air tightness and, and so on. So I would definitely, um, at design stage or just either before planning or definitely before building, Get a get a preliminary BER done to see how the values are running because the BER is a holistic thing of a house. It, between the air tightness, which is only determined actually when it's built, but the heating itself and things like that, the windows and the walls and the floor and the roof, all that can be determined, you know, as as a paper study. And those value together, that that will be your BER. The assessor will put all those values into a software, and he can give you a preliminary BER. And if things need tweaking, you know, oh, you need more insulation in the walls, you need better insulation in the roof, then you can do that before you even start building or going for tender. You'll know that already. Yeah. So, so what does it take to get to an A1? Like if from an A2, which would be your standard, let's say you have your, because it's fairly well insulated already on the A2. I mean, yeah. you're, you're looking at fairly good U values. And uh, yeah, a lot of it is the windows, <laughs> believe it or not. Um, that's another thing I would, I would definitely recommend looking out for, specifying windows. Make sure you can get the paperwork. Um, when, you, when you're shopping for windows, they, they, a lot of them say, oh, it's, a, it's an A-rated window. That, that means nothing. You need to get the exact U-value, and not just for the glass, but for the whole window. And only that can, can the VR sensor can use. So getting the windows right is quite important because that can really affect the VR big time, if you have, especially if you have a lot of windows. So definitely hammer out before you order windows, certification. Do they have all the certification that you need? 
or your BER assessor will need to put in the values because chasing it afterwards is nearly impossible. Um, so that's one thing to look out for, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and would you need to put in PV panels to get the A1 as well, in addition to all triple glazed windows? Pretty much so, yeah. Okay, I, I think at this stage, uh, a heat pump is, is a no-brainer. You, you would want a heat pump, an air-to-water heat pump. That's good for your renewable energy thing. And um, usually, uh, I, I put a matter of fact, I put at least three or four kilowatts of, of, of PV array on the roof. That'll definitely get you to an A2 and most likely an A1 if, if the rest of the envelope is right. Yeah, with the same level of insulation that is required in the regs at the moment and air tightness, yeah. Yeah, and luckily yeah. the, so the it's air... It's very little, isn't it? Yeah, luckily the PV arrays have come down a good bit in price, so they're, they're not as bad as they used to be like five or ten years ago. I mean, I did my first A1 house in 2011 or so, and um, the PV panels were quite expensive at that time. But um, we got an A1, I think I was the ninth A1 house in Ireland at the time. <laughs> it's funny to think it was that, you know, it was only a decade ago already. Yeah, yeah. but, but yeah. still even now we're only like talking 50 or 60, you know, but A1s are still kind of um, hen's teeth. Oh, is it really? Okay. Yeah, like there's 800,000 BERs out now at this stage, but the, the actual A1 percentage is very, very low, you know. I'm even surprised A rated in general is very low compared to the 800,000 that there are. Um, yeah, you, you would hope that be, yeah, that would change now with the regs. <laughs> yeah, because since 2011, I think, you need an A3 house. So since 2011, all houses should be A rated, really. So if you yes. buy a new house and, you know, the, and, you know, especially a state house or something, and say, oh, it's an A rated house, like, that has to be by law since 2009 or whatever. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. That's brilliant. So is there anything else we didn't cover in terms of spatial design or um, things that you wanted to mention? Well, just, on, just on the envelope itself, um on on, on, on costs and stuff and, and building efficiency. I like to use block work, you know, fair enough. Timber frame is great too, but block work and but I use a, a wide cavity, which means I have about 250 mil of a cavity. Um you can get standard wall ties for that from a company in Wicklow, so that's no problem. But with a 250 cavity or a 200 cavity, you avoid dry lining. I see a lot of new builds with the new regulations, they, they build 150 cavity and then they dry line as well. Dry lining should be your last resort. I would only dry line a cottage because you have to, because there's nothing else you can do with an old cottage. But a new build should not be dry lined. Iric. Do you because, mean insulated plasterboard or? Yeah, insulated the, plasterboard or even, yeah. yeah, even more so, you know, even if it be the timber stud insulation and then the plasterboard. Because again, with, with block work, your inner leaf is a thermal mass. If you dry line, you lose that thermal mass. You might as well have a timber frame house if you're dry lining a block work house. That, that's my opinion and, and that's the way it works. So, um, I'd say a wife, a wife, a wife cavity, and I would not use um, any kind of styrofoam or any kind of board insulation in the walls either, because if it's slightly crooked, slightly not fitted, there's thermal looping and it fails and it, you forget it, I would advise a wide cavity wall and a, a bonded bead fill that's pumped in afterwards. So the block layer, all you have to do is put up the blocks, clean the wall ties as it goes along, and then he can go away. He doesn't have to worry about insulation. 
you know, the insulation can be put in after windows are in and the walls are all, all sealed up. Then the, the bond bead is pumped into the walls and it's really snug and it's 100% fill and it doesn't fail or sag or anything. And it's, there's no thermal looping. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I suppose, but isn't there an issue with just making sure it really is clean inside and that there's no bits of mortar that are stuck in and all that? Sure, kind, yeah, there, there's also the challenges of making sure the cavity is nice and clean. Yeah, and but, but absolutely. It's better but, than the thermal looping, obviously. Uh, <laughs> it's easier. Is, to, to, cavities have to be clean any case. So yes. if, the, if the cavity, if, the, the, if the, the wall ties aren't clean and there's a bit of mortar on it, and then you stick a board on it and it's crooked, there's a big air gap. At least if the, if, if the, if the mortar is on a wall tie in, in a, with a bonded bead field, it's only that little bit of a, you know, the, little lump of mortar that's that's failing not the whole board of a meter might be failing otherwise so um and also i i've seen um up to a certain height with with the, with the cavities they can actually sweep the cavity so wide at 250 you can see you can see it right down you can get a broom in you know and clean it out believe it or not i've seen builders do that um before they get to a certain height in the building in the bungalow yeah, well, that's the way to do it, I guess. Yeah. Up to windowsill level, they can actually still retro clean it, you know, after after the fact. But it's a lot easier to clean. The, 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 a block layer is happier to clean a bit of mortar off a tie than to, to clean it and fit a board. And then he has to, then on the next row, when they're, when they're doing the walls, they're becoming mortars on the board again. So they have to clean the boards as well. You know, with, with, with bonded bead, it, there's no problems like that. If, if the way on yeah. the bottom of the cavity, there's a bit of mortar, that's okay. You know, it, it, because the whole wall, the rest of the wall is not failing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. There's always, there's that, That's my opinion over, over, you know, I don't yeah. know, 30 years experience at this stage. I, I really see, and I, I think builders appreciate it too at times, you know, because block layers, they usually get paid by the block. So they have to be, you know, the faster they can go and the in and out, the better it is. So they don't want to insulate. And the slightest crookedness of a board, you know, even the tongue and groove boards, when, you know, they fail and then the percentage like, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50% failure, you know, in that wall because of, because of gaps. And you, know, you can only find out when you're living in it afterwards, you know, because, you know, who's going to sit on, who's going to look to the cavity all the time and make sure that, that's, that the board's 100%. Yeah, and then your energy bills are not the 400 euro you said, Busha. Yeah, not predicted. Not more than that. A, yeah. Yeah, not the predicted bit. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, listen, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate great. you asking me. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate being here. Thank you. Join us next time for more tips and advice from experts and self-builders alike. And if you haven't already, subscribe to Self-Build Plus. It'll give you full access to the selfbuild.ie website, including the Self-Build Plus journey, which is your step-by-step -step guide to self-building and home improving. Your membership also gives you first access to all videos and podcasts, as well as access to our members-only Facebook group, which features regular Facebook Live events. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.